I swear. Wrestling Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to another real quality episode of the A-Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Andy Quilden, as always, joined by my mate and business partner, and uh, because this is a business. You've been <laughs> Andy, learning about that, aren't we? Andy yeah. Boy Simmons. We're trying. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us for episode 15. So we have we have now surpassed so many of the other Fly By Night Absolutely. podcasts. It's not even funny. Was that Fly By Night a reference to the Stevie Night podcast? It wasn't. Which lasted uh, like four episodes. <laughs> well, it was four episodes. Realised, bless him, it wasn't going to make him a millionaire. So he thought, sod this. Whereas we us, are, we're minted. We're making <laughs> our uh, we're making our retirement plans now, aren't we? We are committed, and therefore we are rich. We've just got a lot of time on our hands, haven't we? And we <laughs> yeah, we've got an hour to kill before we take the wrestling class. Want to just want to be relevant. All right. So uh, here we are, trying to be relevant by talking about things of the past. Things <laughs> <laughs> happened years and years ago. But there's obviously a nice little um, audience for it. So, uh, yep, as you're showing us week in, week out. So please, please keep listening. Please keep spreading the word and just give us some reviews. We'd like some reviews, only good ones, obviously. But yeah, and also, um, you know, don't just tweet about it. Even if, you know, even if it's just, oh, enjoyed the podcast this week, guys. Like, just, you don't have to tag us in it, just. Just throw up a link and whatever you can do to help spread the word. We'd uh, be eternally grateful. Thank you. With that being said, what have you been up to this week? Um, so, obviously, we recorded last Wednesday. Last Thursday, I made a triumphant return. Oh, right. That Thursday. Yeah, we talked about Thursday. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, last Thursday, <coughs> I made a triumphant return to the uh, Premier Promotions outfit based out of West Sussex in Worthing, where uh, the Iron Empire which is Andy Boy Simmons and Rishi Ghosh, the Prince of Mumbai, we defeated uh, Daryl Allen and a young lad named Harry Sefton, I think he wrestles as. Harry so Sefton, he used to be a referee for 4FW. Yes, he did. Cause I, he I was a good little referee. I knew I recognised him and I said to him, I said, have we met before, Harry? And he goes, yeah, I did some holiday camp to you about five, six years ago. I was like, did you? He said, yeah, with Dave, through Dave Sharp. Yeah. So um, he was a good, le- good little referee. Yeah, he's twenty-five, but he still looks about twelve. You know, he's like yeah. one of those real y- young-looking lads. But yeah, uh, yeah he's in his mid-twenties. He said so. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I remember. I remember his face, and obviously, experience factor was on your side, and you were able to get the one-two-three. Oh, it was almost too easy. If anything, we had Steve Gray, the legendary Steve Gray, as the referee, um, and it was all out chaos for a lot of it actually. So he wasn't too chuffed, oh. <laughs> <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> Um, cool. Anything else? Uh, there was a rumble, which Josh Faulkner won, and Josh Faulkner is probably the the least, the most under uh, one of the most underappreciated. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because I always see you like putting you and Josh Faulkner having laughs with each other on on Twitter. Yes. You never talk to talk about him outside. <laughs> he of listens to your this podcast. You never talk about him outside your relationship what? on Twitter. I think I probably will because actually he's a I think I will. <laughs> I think I will. He, he, do you know what I mean? He's he's 20 uh, early 20s and uh, he's built like a tank and he can move and he can wrestle and he can he can he's real uh, coordinated. Are he's you got put, are you putting him forward to me for the first time live on air. <laughs> I think I might be, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I spoke to Andy, mate. Yeah, no, nothing at the moment. Yeah, instead of <laughs> letting you know. No, but seriously, I, I like him. I, I see like you joking about Rev Pro tryouts. I don't know. That's disrespectful. Oh yeah, or well, funny. yeah, that's right. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, you're you spying on everything, <laughs> are you? I see everything. <laughs> I see and hear everything. No, that Every, is. Uh, everyone's like, oh, have you been giving tryouts to people? No, that's. Um, Who does this kid think he is? 
no, it's not. I can't remember what the joke was, but there was some sort of joke about. I think we were talking about FWA tryouts or whatever they used to. Or maybe the IPW tryouts that were the held. IPW Open tryout. We could probably talk about those on an episode, couldn't we? Yeah. So that I, I can't remember what the joke was, but yeah, that's what I said. I said, come down to the RPW tryouts. People get all leery again. Aren't they? Oh, you've mentioned the story that you haven't spoken about. Oh, yeah. Oh. But no, that's a, you know, it won't take a whole episode of that story, will it? But cool, you get crucified now if we if you do something <laughs> like that now. Bullying. It, it was a bit of a laugh, not a laugh along, but... It was a laugh at. To it a was. degree, maybe, yeah. But then there were some guys who came out of it smelling the roses and really took advantage of the opportunity, didn't they? So yep. True that. Yeah. But we'll talk about that another time. Yes. Um, so That uh, was my Thursday. Uh, um, what was your Thursday? My Thursday was filled with glory at the Portsmouth Guildhall. Was it? Um, good. Yeah, it was a lovely day. Yeah, We had a good little show at the Portsmouth Guildhall. Um, lots of people there. Lots of good wrestling. Um, you can check it out on rpwondemand.com. No need for me to give away any spoilers because... Uh, Ours wasn't just for the house. So, no. <laughs> so you can check out rpwondemand.com for, for that show. Um, but it was it was a real fun show. Um, so, yeah. Oh, well, something, something mildly amusing happened to me at Worthing. Go on. Where, um, so there's a company. Uh, did we mention them last week? I'm not sure, but I think they're called Kayfabe Events or something like that. And they're doing some evening with, so they've got Jack Swagger coming over and they've, they announced actually the following, funnily enough, the following day they've got uh, Bret Hart over for three or four days uh, touring the country. And uh, a big part of these, the compare for the evening is Dean Ayers. And uh, Dean approached me, he was at the show in Worthing, and he said, Oh, do you mind if I chat to you for a minute? And I was like, Yeah, of course. So we, so we went outside, we had a little private meeting. And, uh, did you think he, you were in trouble? I, I didn't know. I obviously had that joke with him. And he said to me, um, He said, Oh, listen, Andy, he said, uh, these kayfabe events, um, the guy running them, like he was gonna, he was gonna do one with Robbie E, um, but Robbie E's uh, messing him around, and 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 but essentially Robbie E, who some of you might know as being in TNA, uh, he's pulled out. And I remember reading about these events where they're local, they kind of pop up on Facebook ads and that kind of thing. And uh, I remember thinking, God, like Worthing is all is a bit of a strain already, um, you know, to but. But who's going to, you know, how are you going to sell 200 tickets for an evening with Robbie E? Yeah, I remember you, you said to me that the only person in wrestling who could sell 200 tickets for a, a Q&A with would be John Freeman. That's <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, him worthing, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so many Robbie's messed around and Dean Ayers, at, at the kindness of his heart, he said to me, um, you know, Robbie's messed around, would, would you like to do it? And I don't think I could think of anything worse than advertising an evening with Andy Boy Simmons. Uh, I'd go. <laughs> you, yeah, well, you get one all the time. I'd, I'd have some. I'd have some uh, pressing questions <laughs> for you. You get. You get evenings with, afternoons with, good mornings with, all the time. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I had to politely decline. But uh, saying that, if any of our listeners do fancy travelling down to Worthing and would come by to get to an evening with Andy Boy Simmons, let me know, and I'll call Dean up and I'll say, actually, Dean, I'll take that offer. Or if you'd like one in Portsmouth, then. Yeah, you won't have to go as far. No, because we yeah. can just do it ourselves. Yeah, thanks for the idea. House. Yeah. Thanks for the idea. Yeah. Thanks, Dean. Yeah, twenty quid a ticket <laughs> includes a meet and greet as well. So, yeah, no, uh, it, it it was very kind of him to offer, but um, oh, it just maybe 
not his offer, but the thought of me promoting it and would just maybe cringe. I think one day we should definitely hear about, again, I'm doing this thing where I'm just suggesting topics live as we go and everyone's going to get angry that we're not talking about them right now. But I'd like to, to hear about some of the situations perhaps you've been involved in as a wrestler where you've been invited as a, the special guest of honour and no one knows who you are oh, or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah those uh, swallow you. I've got three of them off the top of my head, which again, we'll, we'll save, save them. Save, save them. them. Save them, but I will say this, whenever I get invited to things like that, I walk around and I, I just walk around going, how do I get myself in these situations? I promise myself I'll never do them again. And then I end up doing it again like the next <laughs> year for the same thing, just because I feel like I can't say no. So um, yeah. actually, I got a funny tweet the other day off a lady, uh, well, she worked at the school I used to go to when I was like six or seven, and she said, oh, would you like to come to our, talk to the kids at the school and... You know, about, I guess, following your dreams or whatever the, the tweet was. And I just haven't really got back to her because, again... Oh, you should do. I mean, I will get back to her, but I just can't think of anything more embarrassing than me <laughs> going to a school, talking to a bunch of children about See, I do, uh, I do once a year, I do, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, we should have spoken about on the podcast, really. I do, like, these talks at the Portsmouth University, yeah. where I went to university about being a star. Yeah, and, big uh, star. But, like, a... A success story. A, a success story, yeah. And... Uh, but the reason I do that is a bit of an ego boost, really. Not nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. So. But maybe if I was talking to adults, because like um, at least kids will pretend to be interested, though. <laughs> or you can make. But I so so I will tell one mildly amusing story. You were running a show in Bognor Regis, and you'd said to me about three or four days before, "Can you go down to the Bognor Regis <laughs> Leisure Centre with I think Yestin Reese was with me." Maybe Gilligan Gordon. There's a few of us. Yeah, it was. We Maybe even Ricky was, Hyde. We were doing the. We were doing like a few shows in the day, yeah. and then like we were. Maybe Bogner was one of the last stops. Yes. So it was like before you go to this venue, can you stop off at yeah at Bogner? And they were doing like a kids club for parents to drop their kids at the leisure centre for a few hours while they're on the holiday. Parents are at work, and you'd said to me, "Can you just go down there with a few of the lads and just entertain these kids for a couple of hours?" Yestin so didn't come. Because Yestin was too busy working out with Al Snow, I remember this. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. Would, he would said Ricky he'd go. Hyde? Would Ricky Hyde have been there? He, he would have been around, been. yeah. I'm trying, I can't remember but Yestin said he'd go and then didn't go because he was he got sidetracked hanging okay. out with his wrestling idol. So so this is one of those things that I end up getting roped into. I, I do it because I'm your mate, essentially. You wanted to do it. No, I didn't. And um, So the, the, the girls there who are running the club... Uh, the, They'd said to the kids, right, we've got some... Sp we were stood outside the door. We could hear everything that was being discussed. And these, these girls were talking to the youngsters and they were saying, uh, you know, we've got a special guest today and we're so excited. And for those of you who know, you know, we've got wrestling here on Friday. So we've got a real special guest. We've got a wrestler. And I just heard one of the kids out of a group of like 50 just go, is it John Cena? <laughs> like that. And I didn't expect anything else, but it just made me think, oh God, this is going to be such a disappointment for these poor kids. You but know? I bet they all had the time of their life. To be they? fair, they did. And I remember I had to fill so much time with no plan. And uh, I remember... Prepared you for life at the Portsmouth School of Wrestling. <laughs> Maybe it did. I picked two kids and I said... So I Fight. Said, right. <laughs> but that was it. I said, I said, you stand there, you stand there. And after three, you're going to run at each other and have a Royal Rumble. And uh, all the all the all the all the organisers, I'm doing the actions, I'm telling the story, are looking at each other like, oh my god, what is he doing? And then after I said, oh, I'm only joking, but oh, everyone was in a state of panic. But we all got a good laugh out of it. So yeah, so that is one of those examples. But what's interesting, of, right? Is in those days. So I think I'm a lot more self-aware now. Or when I say that, I say I'm more self-aware. I may be more, I don't know, reserved, shy. 
I don't know, maybe... Uh, oh, I've heard uh, you be called worse things than that because of, of your shyness and you're what? more reserved. <laughs> what? Go on. Not for the podcast. Go I on. think it is for I'm the podcast. I'm only joking. Carry on. Yeah. Um, so, I... Uh, yeah, so I, I now... Like, back in those days, I was a lot more confident in terms of... I'd be like, yeah, we'll send some wrestlers down to the school in... Bogner. you know in Bogner like because we have to and again it's uh, the mentality is you treat the wrestlers like stars they become stars to the kids and whatever and uh, and I'd have no qualms about doing that whatsoever but now I'd be like kind of I, I don't know if it's because once bitten twice is shy but now I, I'm kind of a lot more like oh the kids won't really know who the wrestlers are so let's not put them out on the line like that right you know that's kind of the um, way I felt about this well, this Dean Ayers offer is one yeah, obviously and, and the other one is the school that you know my own school I used to go to when I was a kid I was just like I can't and uh, whereas I feel like back in the day I definitely would have either done it or sent someone you know because I I had a lot more I don't want to say confidence but I just again I guess I just I, I cared a lot less about what people would think, and I was just, I just look at everything as a as a huge opportunity. Um, and I think that's uh, why, as you get older, it becomes a lot harder to to make waves in the world. Is that deep? Is that too deep for a Wednesday afternoon? No, that sounds about right. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder what. But something must have happened for you to doubt. I to don't change know, your mind. Well, on I that. don't know, but I often do have moments where um, where I do doubt, and then it takes it takes something to happen. Like I'll be dreading a show or dreading um, being in front of an audience or whatever have you. And then the thing will happen. And I'll be like, I don't know what I was so anxious or worried about. So the first ever trainee show we ever ran, I don't think we ever told this story on air. I went to see you at your house the day before. And, uh, and I said, Oh, you look forward to tomorrow. And you're like, mate, I think it's going to be, you know, <laughs> terrible word. And I said, I promise you it won't be, trust me, you know, we get, we've got a full house already. You know, the lads are going to do great because <coughs> it was our fir- the first run out for all our guys ever, really. Yeah. And uh, and we pretty much have that same conversation for every single trainee show. Well, we some run. more so than others. Yeah, sure. But like I always, I always have the utmost um, faith in them. Uh, and I said, no, nah, it's going to be good. And then at the end of it, I go, how did you enjoy the show? Yeah, it was good, actually. It's the same conversation. But I believe, I believe that I have... I think that's just. I think with the trainee shows, that's just because I just have such high expectations of my wrestling anyway. So I believe that that's probably why I go into it a little bit worried, especially when I. You never know until you put them in front of an audience if they're gonna succeed or not, right? But mm-hmm. if you like, sometimes, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Like people who in the school, like they, they've obviously shown the ability that they can do it, but something's not quite clicking and. You know, they they don't quite know how to resonate with an audience, which are to be ex- they're not to be expected to. But then sometimes when you add that element of the audience, uh, it's obviously a lot different working in, in an empty, essentially an empty warehouse in front of like just a few of your peers to working in front of an audience of a couple of hundred people who are making noise, and that often transforms them and brings them to life. You know, um, but I think that's. Uh, I don't know. I just think maybe I care too much. I don't know. That's uh, <laughs> too. You that's put too, almost like too much pressure into it. I think as a wrestler, I know, I, I know. Like Mark Sloan, for all of his faults, he never put so much pressure on us. We just knew it had to be up to a certain standard. You know, good for a first go. You know, and that's what I judge them all on. That 
It's like, well, they've been wrestling a couple of years. Yeah, they're okay for a guy. So, for example, uh, when Colt Cabana first ever wrestled Lord Gideon Gray, I spoke to Colt and I said, oh, how did he get on? And he said, how long has he been wrestling? I said, a couple of years. He goes, he's good for a guy that's been wrestling a couple of years. So, you can't ask much more than that, can you? So, that's, that's how I judge judge all of them and that's how I judge Go, you know that my expectations are always that are oh, right so little Dan for example he's going to have his first proper match at the next one I don't I, know if you're allowed to name trainees by name anymore by the way oh no because your complaints we didn't got told we? off didn't yeah, we yeah. yeah by the police <laughs> <laughs> by the conscience of revolution <laughs> <Yeah>. pro wrestling <laughs> yeah yeah so um, yeah but uh, there you go um, I guess it's just just different mentalities of what, yeah. what what we hope for and what we expect. So, that episode of Uncle Phil is now over. Mm-hmm. Um, should we move on to today's topic? A real quality from, topic. From uh, from Uncle Phil to Uncle Len. Uncle Len. <laughs> As he's yes. been uh, affectionately dubbed by many people. Um, this week we're going to be talking about real quality wrestling um, and the, the impact it had, the huge impact it had on the British wrestling scene. And uh, I'd go as far to say as... It may have been seen as a bit of a laughing stock. However, I think it had a huge, huge, huge part to play in British wrestling as we know it today for a number of reasons, which I'm sure we're going to get into. Um, and uh, and yeah, let's should we just let's just get into it and, and you'll see what I mean. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, so you you should yeah so you should obviously start because you had you had a first contact with Len, didn't you? The, the pair of us. Yes. So I met Len, or I first remember meeting Len, although Wikipedia tells me otherwise. But the first time I can remember specifically meeting Len was on the holiday camps in Weymouth, and we were in a swimming pool together. And I must have maybe not done the weekend shows, but I met the team on the Tuesday, Monday or the Tuesday, and uh, he was hanging around. And there must be some story to it, but he knew Phil Powers. And Phil Powers was running that run of camps in Weymouth at the time. So, uh, and he explained to me he was a musician and, and he runs a uh, television production studio, which he wanted to help, um, just help British wrestling along and make yeah, it look so like a little bit more professional. So Len ran Spectrum Multimedia. Um, and if that name rings a bell for anything other than real quality wrestling, it's probably the ECW DVDs and VHSs, uh, which came out in the UK. So Len was responsible for offering those, um, the VHSs and DVDs and being responsible for their commercial release in shops such as HMV within the United Kingdom. Um, he also had several contracts with pl- places like the Discovery Channel um, and places like that yeah their guys would come in and edit edit the shows wasn't it or something like that i believe yeah he was one of his edit suites and his because he uh, had a big unit. Well, yeah he well, he'd get um he had he had a studio like you said a music studio and a video editing studio uh, in dagenham um, which later became called rqw house um and uh, um he would they would uh they would commission his company to, to make the stuff. So they'd put together the shows. Right. So he might send them the footage or whatever. They'd put together the shows. I remember he did an arm wrestling one. I'm just trying to think of what he was doing when I was there. Like he, uh, did they did, he'd put together an arm wrestling thing for sure. Um, few, ma- many things anyway. He's, he's, done okay. a, he's done a lot of stuff. So okay. and, and again, given his credentials, given that time in British wrestling, you know. It was <laughs> he was a he was a bit of a celebrity. Well, it was a bit of fresh um, air, wasn't it? Like someone with actually a bit of 
drive to take it out of just the ring in a room. Yeah, and as a, as a, and that's one of the big things I said to everyone. You know, when when we when we've spoken about some of the early British wrestling shows, it was just a ring in a hall, a crap ring in a hall at that. And I think Len was a, one of the first people to come in and and see that it could be something different, having been influenced by WWE. It, it's it's amazing looking back now. So I first met Len thirteen years ago. So you went to shows, what, 98, 99, 2000? Yeah. So, but that for, so when Len first arrived on the scene in 2005, 2000 to 2005, probably feels like a lifetime, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? But really, it wasn't all that yeah, long. Yeah, it wasn't long at all. It wasn't yeah. all that long, was it? No. So, uh, so, yeah, when he came along, I can remember um, he had a particular, he was, he was very good to me. Um, and because he was always very good to me, my, my best mate, Eamon O'Neill, we were the United Lions on a few shows. He... Um, Myself, Eamon, Aviv, lady called lady wrestler called Erin Angel, and a few of us. I think Erin was there. Phil Powers, I guess, would have been there. We all actually went up to Dagenham uh, to RQW House, which isn't local to Portsmouth at all. Uh, we actually went up there for like a photo shoot. You know, it was like the first time I'd ever had a proper photo shoot with a proper photographer. And we all got the, you know, he did us some lovely 8 by 10s um, and was quite like, a, we're probably going to say a lot here about Lenny. He was just like a bit of a breath, breath of fresh air. You know, he wanted to treat the wrestlers as if they were uh, professionals as opposed to just like, oh, you know, we'll bung him 30 quid and we'll bung him 20 quid. Do you know what I mean? It was very, um, it was yeah, very he, nice. And he was, he's gone on record as being, saying that he felt the wrestlers should be paid more more money. And, and as we was, as we were kind of get into, that was, that almost was his detriment as well uh anyway he he wound up running shows so he was associated with phil during the the holiday camps yes and then got into running shows have you got any memories of so again because i i never really met len until a little bit later on so have you got any memories of of len with phil powers and some of the shows they ran together yeah so um a mildly interesting fact is it it was called real quality wrestling it was named by erin angel uh, she came up with it, and the idea was you couldn't abbreviate real quality wrestling because you could. <laughs> you could, but RQW just didn't doesn't really roll off the tongue. Anything with Q in it doesn't really. Or like Quilden. No, but no, like as a as a as a letter as a as an abbreviation. RQ Dub, easy. Well, that's what they didn't want. Is the point? That well, that's what they got, wasn't it? <laughs> especially well, when the who? logo. By who? Well, especially when the logo <laughs> said real quality wrestling around the outside and RQW on the inside. Yeah. So uh, my gag saying by who was no one was who, there. No one was I know. There. Yeah, you're okay. being horrible. Yeah. So um, so anyway, uh, the first big show I remember, he must have been. I think we did a show in um, not Clacton, uh, somewhere else around there, and I remember I was being in, in a six-man tag, and uh, Ozzy was on one team, the one who he, he wrestles a Zulu warrior, and the lad who is now known, although I don't think he wrestles anymore, Sebastian. They were on opposite teams. And I think they must have trained at the same place together. And we were in the same match anyway. It was a six-man tag. And um, do you know what? I've got my timeline completely messed up there, actually. But regardless, I can remember Phil Powers saying afterwards, you had Sebastian, or Karim as he was then known, I think that's his real name, and Ozzy seeing who could slap each other the hardest. Um, and if you ever met Ozzy, you'll know uh, how hard he can slap, how big he is. He's a big man, isn't he? Yeah, so uh, so, so the, the first big show I can remember Len running was at the Eastleigh Leisure Centre, and it was headlined by Robbie Brookside versus Billy Kidman in a 
you know, like a, what people call the world of sport match in the rounds. And I was actually Billy Kidman's second uh, for that show. <laughs> like, I remember the first round. Because me and Billy Kidman would actually build up. I've not spoken to him uh, since this time. Just in case anyone wants to confirm with Billy Kidman. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case anyone's trying to make up, I'm friends with Billy Kidman. I hadn't met him before this weekend, and I don't think I've met him since, maybe once. But anyway... Uh, he, I said, oh, how are you getting on with it being in rounds, you know, five minutes break, five minutes break. It was after the first or second round, and he just went to me, it's very odd, <laughs> like this. And that's kind of all he had to really say about it. But um, I can't remember who won, but... Uh yeah. I'm going to presume Robbie Brookside won because was it not for the Real Quality Wrestling Heavyweight Championship? Oh, possibly. Possibly. Maybe yeah. Billy Hibman won, who knows? Yeah, maybe Billy Hibman's <laughs> still like, the Real Quality yeah. Wrestling Champion. I'm not sure. So, so anyway, I remember Len had this ginormous ring, which was either 18 foot or 20 foot that he had built specially. 20 um, foot ring it was. Was it 20 foot? Yeah. I remember getting absolutely lost in it. Um, and the ropes were terrible, uh, terribly dangerous as well. Uh, but we still had to persevere through this show. I wrestled with Eamon in my United Lions tag team against the tag team of Chris Kay and a lad called the Bulldozer. And the Bulldozer was a lovely guy, but I don't think he had real any any right to be stood in a wrestling ring calling no, himself a professional. Len, uh, Len, Len was very him. high on him, very but, high on but him. But why? Do you know why? Why? Because he just butted up with him on the camps. Oh, You know, well, it's you like go. how people get title matches and title runs with you. Is uh, Wow, man. <laughs> is who buddies you up that's on the camps. A, that, so, um, that's strong. Again, yeah. so, all uh, these accusations. So, yeah, that that was all. Like, Bulldozer, he might have been okay if he'd stuck at it, but I remember he, had, he, was, he was a young lad, but... He, he had kids and he had a full-time job and, you know, he's, he he did he couldn't commit to it as much as maybe he'd like to. Um, he certainly improved over time, but I can just remember being in the ring with him a few times being like, I just want to get through this one alive, um, you know, let alone have a good match. So, um, yeah, that was the first one at EC Ledger Centre, maybe two or three hundred in. But uh, previous to that, I believe, actually, he'd run a show in Haven't or Waterlooville, Cosham. Somewhere you just name any any local Hampshire town. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Do you remember he did a he did a big advert, a full page advert. We oh. talked about it the other day. Yes, you do in Fight and Spirit oh, okay. magazine. Yeah, but he used to do a lot of adverts in Fight and Spirit magazine. Yeah, and he just sort of listed listed with words. You yeah, know, wrestlers. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, so he'd he'd run those shows. Yes. Now he must have had some kind of falling out with Phil Powers, did he, or did he not? What led to him? Going it alone, per um, se. I, I wouldn't be too surprised if he fell out with Phil Powers. Um, I don't know who falls out falls out more people, Len or Phil. I'm not sure. But um, I, I, I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe at the time I knew. But Okay, so so somewhere along the line, this... Uh, this Maybe they didn't even fall out. They might have just gone their separate It was ways. kind of interesting as well, though, wasn't it? Because um, Len, uh, he, him and Phil Powers couldn't be two more opposite people, right? Sure. And... Uh, yeah, so it was kind of a, it was an interesting relationship, um, and um, and I remember I'm sure Len did fall out with him, and I think he was a little bit bitter about their fallout at the time. Okay. Um, but I again I'm only uh, speculating. Aren't we? I'm freestyling here. Yeah, uh, we, we can't remember that. That, that, uh, those that was a long t- long we'll, time ago. We will get so. Phil Powers on this one day, and he'll tell us. Um, so somewhere along the line. Len then decides he's going to run York Hall. Am I, is that too much of a jump? Yeah, no, not or really, actually, because that show with the Billy Kidman show, that may have been about March, April time. And he ran York, his first York Hall show I was in you, November it, it 2006. It was late April, early May, certainly. 
And yeah, and then he w- decided he was going to run monthly events in York Hall. Yeah, monthly events. There was that big press release where we're going to be doing monthly events in York Hall. Yes. Yada, yada, yada. Because he was the first one to get it back in there since the FWA had it. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. might actually be a small contradiction to what we said on... No, it wasn't at all. No, right. did we mention that? So, he, so he got back in there after mm. FWA promising monthly shows. And then, uh, long story short, he didn't deliver monthly shows because after a few months, he stopped running them and he also left some bills. Yeah, right. Okay. So that's... So right. it was unbanned, then banned again. Mm-hmm. Yes. So okay. Not a contradiction to... To you know the history that we're writing on the A Squared <laughs> Circle Wrestling Podcast. Um, if you want to listen to that episode on your call, then feel free to do it. It's a, it's a good one. Just look it up. Um, it's free. So, uh, Len's running shows, d- announces his, in t- his intention to run shows in York Hall. Obviously, we all remember it from the FWA glory days, um, and everyone's super excited, and everyone obviously wants to be involved. Somewhere along the way, I got involved as a referee, um, and you were obviously still involved because you were one of Len's favourites. Um, and the big the big show was going to be in November, and somehow, some way, the show stealer Alex Shane <laughs> becomes involved as well. Yes, the man who in fact ends in fact, up everywhere, doesn't but, he? But yeah. Alex didn't actually get involved until late in the day for the November show because I remember Alex giving a speech beforehand and basically saying to Len, "Look, this is just a dry run. We start properly in December." Okay. Okay. So he ran the first show at York Hall. And it was in front of how many people, maybe? Well, the first one, yeah. I wasn't there because I'd broke my ankle. Oh. So I wasn't there. I don't okay. know if I mentioned that, but no. All joking aside, I actually wasn't there, but you told me about it. Yeah, there was about yeah. 100 people there, I reckon. Okay. And for anyone who knows, and there was all the seats were laid out. Yeah. Um, for anyone who knows York Hall, <laughs> knows it's a big old venue. It's going to be, a, like we said last week, it's like wrestling in front of empty chairs. Yeah. So. Um, and, uh, but one thing which was, uh, but and that's what I mean. So Alex made a very big point of saying to everyone, uh, you know, this is just a dry run. So despite the fact that people did feel a little bit deflated, because when they got there, Lem was the first person. He had the video screens. Um, he had this impressive set. He had this great looking ramp. He had the, d- the WCW walkway into the ring, wasn't it? That really looked cool. Uh, was it, it went, into the ring? I've I swear it went all the way to the ring. I thought it was a ramp that went down. <coughs> no, I think, it, I think it went all the way to it. And the reason why... I want to say I remember that specifically because I remember there being a referee running and where the ropes were so loose on this terrible ring. <laughs> he, 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 he literally swung all the way round. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember who that was now, but um, but I remember it was a red ramp anyway. Yes, I remember it that. looked the business yeah. though, didn't it? And the screens um, looked good. The sc- yeah, the screens looked good. Then when you look at them now, not so good. But like for the time, like just because it was so fresh, wasn't technology's it? Technology's changed so much. It, but we? like it was, yeah, the first time video screen. And I remember he had a big crane camera as well. Like got some tremendous shots of the matches. Um, and uh, and really, uh, you know, good lighting and uh, and and really, the production was fitting of essentially a WWE esque product. Yeah, I guess that was the idea. Which then, of course, that WWE esque product comes into it a bit later on, doesn't it? So it does. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So lens running shows in your course. The first one again. I'm not. This isn't uh, something to wrestle with. We're not going to take three hours to go over this. But like, and I don't even have a list of the shows. I'm just going to say from memory what I remember happening. The second show he did was called Not Just for Christmas. Okay. Um, now, um, I uh, I didn't. I want to say I wasn't refereeing on this one, um, but the premise behind Not Just for Christmas was all the tickets were free. But. You had to give a donation. Uh, like a ta- tinned uh, food. The tinned food, yeah. Okay. Um, now, one mistake that Len made was, so York Hall's capacity, capacity is 1,200 people. So he gave away 1,200 tickets. 
and I think you could get like 10 tickets per person or whatever. So the show was effectively sold out, yet it was only attended by about 300 people. Yeah, because all those 1,200 so people didn't turn didn't up. Didn't turn up. Yes. And he was like, well, I, I, maybe I did referee this one. Yeah, but I remember this having this conversation with Len, and he, Len was like, well, I wasn't allowed to sell more tickets or give away more tickets because of the building regulations. And I just remember at the time thinking, it would be so simple just to put a note on the ticket to say it's first come, first serve and give away double the amount of tickets of the capacity. At least double. Yeah, At least if you double. want them to turn yeah. up. Because yeah. they've, they've spent no money on the ticket, so therefore they've got no reason... They've got no commitment to, to No it, commitment. Like, if they yeah. fancy it, they'll go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so that was a, a fatal error there, so there was kind of a bit of a joke going around that obviously they couldn't even draw a crowd for free. And all you do is bring um, a tin of soup. <laughs> yeah, so. right. Um, so that happened. Um, any more memories of those York Hall? Yeah, certainly. Well, because uh, the reason why this topic came up, someone tweeted us, Andy, saying... What do, do we have any memories of the great m- Muta? Muta? I call him the great Muta. Great Muta? Uh, mm. Yeah, so, uh, so that, that, of course, was the January show, wasn't it? Which was a big save from Len. Yeah, so, uh, so, um, so 1PW at this time, obviously, we've, we've spoken a little bit about 1PW, but 1PW and, uh, and RQW, like, so when RQW came about, 1PW was almost like, it was almost like looking to be the southern version of, one PW. Would that be fair to say, in terms of like, in terms of um, prestige? Oh, okay, yeah. you know, I I think that's what they were aiming for. Maybe, you know? yeah, maybe. And and, I, and obviously, um, on the, something which is also very prevalent about the RQW shows was the girls, the women's matches. So uh, Jezebel. Yeah, je- and, but he'd always fly in like a. I remember Mischief, who's oh. now. Uh, who's she? You know, is she's she someone. A, knows? She's the wife of uh, Michael Elgin. Oh, is she? Um, and. Uh, Who's the other one of you like? Cheerleader Melissa. Cheerleader Melissa. Yeah, she came in. Was it the Shimmer Girls? Was Shimmer a thing then? I've got no idea, but I know that Chick they Chick Fight. Had chick Fight. Yeah, Chick, chick fight. fight. Yeah, Chick Fight. Yeah. <laughs> These things coming that back was to a me. Thing. Yeah. Um, so, so he he was the first uh, promoter to really put any steam behind a women's division I guess as well. He was actually. He yeah. really was. Yeah. yeah. Nice belt for so a maid. Didn't yeah, he? and like, and they were never presented as. Uh, they were never presented as like uh, they weren't in jelly matches, were they? No, they were in like real wrestling real wrestling match. matches, and they're always presented as a big <coughs> deal. So to me, there's another one for you, Len. Like you know, I for for all the the Len gets a lot of stick, and uh, and some of it's warranted and some of it's not. But personally, you know, I'd say he was one of the first people to come in and and you know make women's wrestling a serious thing. Um, and and he would fly girls from around the world, so really a predecessor for pro wrestling Eve. Um, Certainly, yeah. and uh, and that may be where Dan Reed got the idea from because he was involved in some commentary for. He was involved in that. all of that, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. I think he might be the RQW commentator as well. He was, yeah, yeah. Because I filled in, I did commentary for one of their shows. I remember it was Ricky Knight versus Martin Stone. I don't remember anything else. I remember that was the main event. Okay. Um, at York Hall. Uh, I think I did that with Dean A.S. Right. Um, I, f- I filled in for someone. Okay. Maybe Dan Reed. Maybe Dan, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, but so, back, so back to your story about the Great Muta. Um, so, yeah. So, 1PW were, were kind of um, almost on their last <laughs> legs at this point, weren't they? Yeah. They, were, they were still drawing crowds, but like uh, there was a lot of uh, 
warning signs, weren't there? But well, the outgoings and, uh, were considerably more and, and, than the incomings, weren't they? And, uh, and uh, the show before was the anniversary show for 1PW, right? And yes. they played the big video on the screen, and he was supposed to be working Corey Graves, Sterling James Keenan. <laughs> and they, I remember they hadn't told Keenan that he was, uh, was going to be wrestling Muta, but they said, after your match, you need to stay in the ring, right? You'll know why, just react to it. And like I remember, like they played the video of Great Muta, like his first appearance for, for um, in the UK, you know, and uh, and I remember SJK's uh, reaction to it. He was like, "Oh my God, you know, like oh, thank you so much." Like Steve Carino was obviously still booking it at this point. So between between this show and then the Muta show, Steve Carino had fallen out with Stephen Gauntley. Is that right? Must have been, yeah. Um, Steve, yeah, because then he came back as a talent later on. Do you remember? Yes. So, but we'll save that for one PW episode. Sorry again. <laughs> we'll save that for this. We'll save that for that. Right. So, Steve Crino had fallen out of him. There was no money to pay for Muta. And I think Steve Crino had fallen out of him because Steve Crino had brokered the deal for Muta to come to England through his connections from Zero One, where he worked booking the foreign talent. Um, and... 1PW hadn't paid the deposits or whatever. Yeah, well, Steve Steve Carino obviously didn't want to come out of this looking bad. You know, like, he was his bread and butter for a long time yeah. Japanese wrestling, wasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. So. so, as a result, uh, the deal was... Uh, the deal for Muta was done, but nothing happened. Like, the show... Um, the show obviously wasn't... They couldn't afford to pay him. And the show did wind up happening, didn't it? But just without Muta and without a lot of advertised talent. The I think so, yeah. Show. The middle of January um, sometime, yeah. And... Um, and Len basically came in with a big save. And I think it was actually Alex Shane's idea um, to, to win good faith with the wrestling public. Um, and I and think the Japanese office. I remember and that Japanese being a big office, thing. Yeah. And, um, and uh, maybe the 1PW show, show didn't happen. I don't know. But like I remember the 1PW show. Was, oh, it, or was that the Will Not Die show? I, I think, think it was. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've got, I've, my timeline on this is terrible. So we're, we'll... Forget about the 1PW stats and facts. We'll, uh, we'll try and yeah, get we'll an accurate timeline yeah. another time. Um, but um, he, uh, Len, Len, fair play to him. He took it upon himself and he said, anyone who's got a ticket to the, the 1PW show to see Great Muta can have a t- exchange it for a ticket to his show. But bearing in mind, Doncaster to Bethnal Green, about three, four hours apart, right? Oh, at least. Um, yeah. So... Um, so he offered that. <coughs> he also, um, uh, and then and then the show was supposed to be a Saturday, and I think it was a Friday. Len's show was certainly Len, on the Friday. Yeah, and the one PW show was originally supposed to be the Saturday, but like the times he'd be in the UK were the same. And I remember they sent a limo to pick up Great Muta, um, and they looked after him extremely well. He got the five star treatment, um, which I'm sure he was very happy with. Um, but that fast five star treatment must have cost a fortune. Um, and uh, and then it got to the show itself where he wrestled Martin Stone in front of again a few hundred. It was yeah. probably the best the best one. I think that was the first time they opened. Oh, maybe it was the second time because only a couple of times they opened the balcony, right? Was it okay? Well, you think and it was more uh, than a few? I can't remember. I remember I, I'm going to say about three hundred again. Th- that was my first match back after breaking my ankle. And can you remember who I was on with that night? You were in a tag team match yeah. with Aviv. Yeah. Against. Um, Johnny Storm and Kid Cash. Okay, yes. Okay, so Kid Cash, who at the time had a terrible reputation in England as being violent and uh, what's the word, erratic and 
you Isn't know. it funny how he was the first person to train Josh Bodum? Oh, hmm. funny. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so uh, I can remember going into that. I think I told him, actually. I said this my first match back. I think I maybe I'd met him once before. Um, and he was really good to me. He was I, really nice, wasn't he? He, yeah, I thought, yeah. <clears throat> he chopped a Vive all around the ring. You can find this match on YouTube, I think. I don't think he beat him up or anything. But, but with me, he was absolutely fine. So um, I think he really sort of looked after me because I later found out as well, he'd actually wrestled a match, maybe like an enhancement match for WWF or maybe in the light heavyweight tournament, something like that. And he, he'd broken both of his ankles in one match. And I wonder whether he sympathised with me and that's why he kind of went easy on me because I said, oh, this is my first one back. So like you said, Andy, he, uh, Martin wrestled the Great Muter and um, he was the RQW champion. Yes, he was, yeah. And he lost. He lost clean in the middle of the ring, um, which I, you know, I... Not moaning about that. No. Kurt Angle came in and beat Zack Sabre Jr. clean in the middle of a ring. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, um, it was a catalyst for a brilliant turn, though, wasn't it? Um, the start, the beginning. Yes. So that's my one, not the <laughs> milestone <laughs> one. Right. Um, so uh, yeah. So I wish really there wasn't really. A, there's not really a lot more to that. So where that chap uh, tweeted us and asked us. There's not really any sort of elaborate thing. No, apart it's not. From Len. Did, like, Len was actually just the white knight. He saved the show. He saved the show. And then got no thanks for it. People then took the piss out of him because he had a show with Great Mooter on with like 300 people. But he did it on a couple of weeks' notice. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if anything, it, again, he should be applauded. Yeah. And, and, and the more we tell this story, remind ourselves these stories, the more you kind of miss Len, actually, because he had s- such the best intentions, but somehow... He, he was just putting a foot wrong. And, and, what, I, and, and, and what I always say is, um, we, we, in wrestling, from my years, um, I I believe there's been a number of the right people come along, but they've either been along, they've come along at the wrong time or been with the wrong people. Yeah, and right. And he is the epitome of that. Exactly that, yeah. And like I always looked at it as, with Len, I was always like, uh, in my head, I was always like, I wish, because at the time, in parallel, I was running the IPW shows, booking and promoting some shows by this point. Um, and uh, I was always like, imagine if Len had come to me instead of Phil mm-hmm. when he first got into wrestling. And he was just like, you've already got a product which is already drawing a good crowd. Sure. And you've got a strong product. Imagine instead of being like, I'm going to run off and make my own thing. He was like... Right, I'm going to just put my production... Put my time into this. And, you know, I'm going to create music. Because some of his tracks were great, weren't they? Oh, undoubtedly. Like, um, again, he... I mean, we had Ralph in, in from the FWA days, who was Rusty Music. He did some amazing tracks. But then so did Len. And really, they... Like, Ralph was first. Len was easily the second. Do you know what I mean? To come along yeah. and produce. Boom. I can remember there was an IPW mu- music CD. Was that Len? Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, that wasn't Len. No. Oh, that wasn't Len? No, no. Okay. Well, um, oh, sorry, I thought that was Len. But anyway, uh, Len wrote Loud and Proud. And I, I still use that to this day. You know, like everyone remembers, not everyone remembers Loud and Proud at all. But for a time, you know, everyone knew, everyone knew, you heard that roar, that was uh, me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, in a good way, a heel. Yeah, in a good way. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so, um, so yes, yeah, Len did, he did a lot of good. He really did. Um, and during this time, he was almost, uh, I feel... Like I mean, you can look back. A lot of the stuff's on YouTube. Again, very few views on the official RQW channel. But then he was a big believer in content. And I guess, again, ahead of his time, because content is so huge these days. And I mean, with that, 
you know, the names that he had, he would still look at it like if he'd had like 10 people in the crowd at that Great Muta show, he'd be like, well, I've got uh, I've got the footage of the Great Muta wrestling in England. Sure. And do you know what I mean? So he would... Uh, That's probably what where his expertise or his experience in like the real television, television world. Yeah, and he knew know. that he knew there was an end goal. If he could get this on TV, there'd be real money in it. And of course, he did get it on TV with a wrestling channel. Yes. Um, so to me, I, I kind of looked at the wrestling channel as a, a bit of a, uh, a waste of money, really, and a waste of time and uh, a thankless task. So he was putting on these shows on the wrestling channel. I don't know what his viewing figures were, but he'd tirelessly put them out every single week for a very long time. Um, and uh, they were very well put together shows, and he hired a guy, Kieran, to put them together, um, and, and who did the original series of the FWA TV. Um, and... Uh, they were put together greatly, but, you know, it was inconsequential wrestling in front of no people. Sure, you had great production, but probably not many people watched it on TV. So it was a, an awful lot of energy went into producing those shows. But again, Len was a, he was always a glass half full type of guy. And he always had the mentality that, um, you know, well, we're putting this footage in the bank and this footage is worth something to sell on to, to these other TV stations. And throughout the years, we'd always hear different um, uh different things are in the pipeline. This TV deal's coming soon. That TV deal's coming soon. Well, we've got X amount of hours of footage they want to buy off us, etc. And none of it ever transpired into anything. No. Um, so that was kind of unfortunate. Um, and I guess I have a bit more insight into RQW. So um, he then did, uh, after the, so York Hall, it went a few shows. I can't remember how many shows he did there. Um, but he did a few shows at York Hall. Uh, again, it was supposed to be monthly, and it, it ca became very obvious that um, it wasn't going to be sustainable um, to continue running those shows monthly. Um, and thankfully for him, he decided to stop running them. Um, and it was at this point that Alex Shane, uh, well, once the first couple weren't a success, Alex uh, kind of disappeared off in the background, right? You, re you rarely saw him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I barely... Remember seeing Len, uh, Alex, sorry, a great deal. Anyway, I mean, he was definitely at the first few. Um, I, he, I might have done. So he was definitely at the first few, but he stopped going to the shows altogether. I remember, but that was a, uh, again, that was just that Alex, like you know, he didn't want to be attached to something which was a, a failure or a perceived failure. Um, so um, yeah, he'd kind of disappeared. Um, he stopped running those shows, um, and uh, at this time he grew close to the Knights. Um, who had used extensively on on the shows, um, obviously Soraya and Ricky. Um, I think Roy was on the shows as well. I can't. Really, I think Zach w Zach was on the shows also, but Zach was still wrestling as uh, Zach Zodiac on those shows. Um, so he'd grown, grown close with the Knights, which led to him running a show in Yarmouth, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Um, Why I wrestled Martin. But you've actually missed. This is where the probably the one of the biggest stories of Lens. Tenure in professional wrestling. That's oh where yeah, I have, haven't I? Yeah, it's yeah. Quite a so um, it's because you were playing on your phone. I didn't really. Uh, I was just trying <laughs> to cover for you while you were playing on your phone. Thank you. So I'm not playing on my phone. You probably heard the beep as well. Probably you said heard the <laughs> an important yeah. email. So anyway, uh, you're texting. Len, I can see you, Len. Um, he was approached by the WWE in 2007. I think probably due to his. Um, ability, you know, through his uh, what's what's word? We've already talked about it. His production studio. Yeah, and I I remember um, I remember reading an article very recently about this, and I think it may have been an old Wrestling Observer 
potentially. Okay. But it said something about WWE had approached Len Davis and they they didn't think the the, the project would make money at first, but they saw Len as someone who could uh, foot the cost oh, really? of their uh, expansion. So you know the so he was looked upon as the guy to run the what I guess now is WWE UK, right? Yeah. So um, obviously the intentions of the WWE UK idea of 10 years ago is very different to the intentions of the WWE UK, which really came about as a result of uh, something else. So um, so I can remember, the f- I don't know if I'd heard rumours about it, but IPW must have been running a show in Portsmouth at the Mount Batten Centre. I'm going to say that was a PWG show where Daniel Bryan went mental at Daniel Bryan. Nah, Edwards. that would have been later than that, because that was October 2007. Oh, really? Or maybe even November. This was earlier in the year. This um, was March time, March, February, March, possibly. I'm absolutely certain it's uh, it was at the Mount Batten Centre and Len was there. And Len approached me, or he called me away. Because by this point, Len started uh, hiring out his equipment as well. So he would film, he'd film certain shows. He'd film like everything, um, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah and, uh, and he'd do that um, probably to get some money <laughs> i guess so yeah yeah cover some costs we realized that that was the only guarantee like drawing a crowd wasn't a guarantee at all but 2000 this time 2007 2008 it was a hard time for wrestling which uh you know a lot of people haven't lived through that have they they've uh no they got in board on board like the, you know the 2012 onwards i'd say is when things started to pick up a little bit but i don't think that was just for professional wrestling i think that was more economy in general right quite possibly um, yeah which obviously had a knock-on effect to pro wrestling but mm-hmm. there you go so uh so len came up to me and uh, as far as i'm aware um it doesn't really matter actually uh, i think he was the i was the first person he spoke to he said to me, listen, he told you yeah well maybe yeah like he just said to me uh listen Andy, he said i've been in touch with wwe and they really want to get uh i can't remember his exact words but it was something along the lines of you know they really want to start up a british division or maybe it might even be like a europe-wide uh, division like WWE Europe um, and he said to me you're the first person I want to put forward to WWE for this role so I was like wow that sounds really exciting and he was um, he actually uh, he'd either just come back from a big meeting at the Wrestlemania in Detroit or he was going to one soon because I remember he was a bit like Steve Linsky he had the uh, the business cards on show of whoever who, yeah. whoever he was uh, in touch with. So um, you just happen to see them, don't you? Uh, yeah, oh. sure. But but What's with that? Len, but with Len, he actually showed me. So oh, these yeah. are the guys I'm meeting, but the names escape me now. So um, so you know that that must have been seriously considered because they flew him out to Detroit. They met with him in Detroit, um, and uh, you know there was one story coming out of it as to why it didn't happen, whether or not it was accurate. Um, but the lads all discussed something. Do you remember what that was, Andy? Uh, he turned up to a meeting in a WWE T-shirt. Was that that, is, right? that was the story, um, and that was apparently blew the whole deal. Um, which okay, so this is going to be before his meeting because I'm looking here. Um, it was a Mountbatten Centre, January 26th, 2007. Right. Okay. There you go. So uh, I'm absolutely certain it was at that show, and I can remember as soon as I'd finished talking to Len, I approached James Ty, who was also on that show, or was that either there or was on the show, and I just said, "Listen." I think we could get into WWE as a as a as an act together as a team, and that is how the Iron Lions were born. Wow! Which you told me you'd never heard that before, but I, I had re- never heard that story. But you, you probably you had probably told me a million yeah. times, and I was probably just like, "All right, mate, <laughs> cool, brilliant." So, uh, so everyone's hopes were through the roof that Lem was going to take us to the promised land. We were going to tour Europe under the WWE UK banner, 
um, or WWE Europe banner, and I can remember uh, there was even a bit in Power Slam about it, I believe, um, discussing you know what the ideas were. So uh, we all had our hopes pinned on Len, not in a high-pressure way, just like Len was telling some of the boys about what was potentially going to happen, and that is obviously 10 years before the WWE UK um, division actually began. So, you know, it's no, it was no sort of new thing. They'd obviously sort of had this idea um, 10 years previously. Uh, but unfortunately, for, for many reasons, I guess it didn't happen. It didn't at all, no. That's it, yeah. So, so, so <coughs> business carried on from Len from there. Um, and then that's where, again, he got getting back into where I was in the, in the stream of things. He ran some such shows in Yarmouth. And I remember specifically Ricky Knight, when he came, uh, when he came on board, he looked at, he kind of, he, ne- he was never in charge. He was never... Uh, he was never a bookie. He was never. He was kind of more like a an advisor for Len. Um, he was also a bit of a and, policeman, uh, wasn't and he? And a policeman, yeah. And uh, uh, and he would, yeah. And he he took a look at all the wages that the guys were charging Len, um, and he was like, "This is a joke," <laughs> you know, sure. like so, what some of the guys were on compared to what they were charging elsewhere. Because obviously, Len, he had the best intentions, but like I said, he'd publicly said he thinks wrestlers should be paying being paid more money and therefore when a wrestler comes and asks for more money Len's like sure yeah right when unfortunately it is a business it's still a business you know um so um and, uh, and I can I can remember specifically being on a on a minibus for a Scott Conway tour with Ricky Knight and Ricky Knight we were talking we weren't talking about Len because it's before Len but it's always stuck me he his exact words it's not anything I'd not heard a million times since he said Problem with a lot of the boys is they think of today and not tomorrow. So, right, let's get all these paydays out of Len while we can. And then, but what happens when that dries up? Because there's no more money left. But, um, and I'm not blowing my own horn, uh, I never I, I never overcharged Len at all. Um, you know, and, and in a way, I was almost a bit disappointed that, that Len couldn't look at what I was charging him compared to what, what I'd heard some of the others were charging him and go, well, something's not quite right here. Um, so... Um, so yeah, and uh, I'm just looking. I'm looking at uh, an email now, um, and uh, so he ran a show in uh, 2007, um, and Dean Ayas. Uh, so Dean, we spoke about him last week, didn't we? Yes. Uh, but Dean's uh, this week. Dean's uh, now yeah, and this week as well. Yeah. yeah. So Dean's uh, very famous for being uh, a booker for like a week, <laughs> everywhere he went. <laughs> so like uh, he's uh, he's just. Uh, he came in for a couple of shows booking RQW, like the same way he came into One PW. I think he lasted. Do you one show in One PW before stepping down? Maybe before ruining the day. Okay. Oh, did <laughs> um, he? Okay, I don't. Do really, I think I might be wrong. Time. Funny enough, I broke my leg. So um, it's, all, no, it's all around that same time. Have you? No. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so Dean sends an email. This is a real email. I don't even know if I'm legally allowed to read this out. He wrote, I'm contacting you all to let you know of a backstage appointment with immediate effect, which is Ricky Knight is now handling all wages and expenses. So that's what you said about him being a, uh, a policeman. With this in mind, and seeing as your next show is on Sunday the 16th, so this is one week prior, can you please re- reply to me and let me know what your usual wage is? So I think in using Ricky Knight here, he wanted to guilt the guys to then come back and be like, Oh yeah, I'm getting this amount of because they know like the gigs up. Do you know what I mean? Right. Well, because the knights, the knights are obviously very experienced in this in, kind of thing. They know, so they, they know, know, they know what the British wrestler of the day, what a reasonable wage is. Yeah, um, and uh, 
so Ding sends that email out. Um, some great names on this. Uh, the Gift Ross Jordan. We've got uh, Steve Linsky's on there. John Ryan, Harry Mills. Tell you what, see if my name's on there because I I guarantee I want to guarantee it's not because I don't think I never once ever took the mic. Who's Mike Connell? Oh, oh, is that Magic? Oh, maybe, yeah. You won't. I don't think you'll find it. Lt Summers is on there. Oh, is he really? He was he was charging through the roof every time he wrestled. Um, Should have been paying them. This is interesting. Andy Simmons, you're on there. Oh, I am on there. You okay. are. Well, it must be just a blanket email. And ironically, your name's right next to mine. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, if I'm on next that, I don't remember getting that email. Um, so I'd replied saying what I charged. I don't really know if it's worth uh, revealing how much I was charging, but I just replied what I charged. And I said, my expenses are off to nothing because I travel up with Berry or about five pounds if I travel up with a cartel. With Terry Frazier, Shah Samuels, I'd meet them at Upminster. Okay. Just get a train from Southend to Upminster. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes down the road, Fiverr. Yeah. Good good business. Or £10 if I go up by train. That's if the show's in London. Travel card. Sure. Over time. Right. Anyway, he tries to haggle me down by a tenner per show. Okay. And I this is when, you know, we like the boys now are earning really good money. Yeah. Uh, and this is when but this is when we were earning 40, 50 quid if we were lucky. Yeah. And I wasn't, I was charging exactly what I charged everywhere. Um, so I can't, uh, I can't find my reply. Um, but I replied basically saying, no, like this is what I charge everywhere. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to still do it for this. But if you want to pay less, then I'm not going to be able to do it because I've not been ripping him off like a yeah. a bunch of the other guys are doing, <laughs> yeah. right? So why should I suffer because everyone else is is ripping him off? And then the reply was, "Oh no, we've spoken to them and everything's good, and cool. you know that's fine." But that's so the point, isn't it? Really, we um, you know, if you were good to him, you know, you wouldn't be booed off the shows, would you? Exactly, so. exactly. So, um, so yeah, so. That that happened. That's when that was a cost-cutting measure. That Yama show, I believe, went quite well, but I think it was co-proed with WAW anyway. Um, and then from there, Len went to the Mick Jagger Centre in uh, Dartford. Dartford, and again, a lovely venue. Um, probably seated. Would you say about three hundred people? Yeah, maybe. You like had like, like just one side, theater, of t- one side of one side of tiered seating, and then some seats around the yeah, side. Yeah, maybe two to three um, maximum. Yeah. But unfortunately, was famous for getting thirty to sixty people <laughs> in. <laughs> sure. Um, and again, that, that the, the pattern repeated itself. Now, somewhere around this time, I wound up. I was booking IPW. Obviously, I wound up falling out with uh, Dan Edler for the first of many times, um, which you were uh, associated with this story as well. Uh, should we tell this story now? I vaguely corn. So I'd gone out to Southampton with uh, with LT Summers the night before. Okay. We went to a little nightclub called Chaos, a little a little spot we used to okay. we used to go to. Um, and uh, we were out disco dancing that night, and we stayed in we stayed in um, Southampton, and we were getting the first train back the next morning. So we get to the train station, and we don't realise it's a Sunday service, and there's literally no trains running. But and the the trains are, the trains which are running uh, stop everywhere. So we get on a train, we'd got up super early to get there, um, and we had to leave Portsmouth quite early because you were taking a training class at the IPW school. Yep. So um, we got the train to there, and I was actually living, I was still living, I was living in Southend at the time, but, um, but obviously I was staying, I was staying with Luke. Um, 
and uh, we got the train there. We got the train, and like you were there, and you're like, guys, where are you? I was like, we're on the train. We're in like a haven, which is like maybe what is it, ten, fifteen minutes away from Fratton, where you'd be picking us up. Okay. And you were like, you wouldn't be at Haven because Haven's past Fratton, but from Southampton. But. Oh. Uh, okay. So we were like wherever we were. Okay. Maybe Winchester, well, Eastleigh, or something, or Eastleigh, like whatever. Yeah. We were like ten, fifteen minutes away from from where you were picking us up. Okay. Right. And you were like, oh, but you're gonna have to. Uh, you're gonna. Ha- we're gonna have to go back to Luke's house and grab your bag and whatever. Like Luke was resting on the show, and. Um, you and Luke was like, my bag's by the door. I don't know whether it was or wasn't, but I <laughs> have my bag. I have my bag with me. Okay. Luke was like, my bag's by the door. I'm just literally need to step in, grab my bag, yep. and then we'll be on the way. Okay. Right. We're gonna be ten minutes late. Uh, we're gonna leave ten minutes later than originally planned. Yeah. Right. You were a corporate stooge, probably wanted to get to a boot sale or something, and we're probably like, just wanted to get to my, pe- my like, place of work for and, the day. Yeah, but ten minutes, Andy. Right? Yeah, but you. But at the time, this is what we discussed. You you were a non-driver, so to meet you at Fratton Station and then get through the potential traffic of but driving to the city. Ten minutes. It was still still yeah, ten see, minutes. You're still talking like a non-driver. Like it's not. It's never ten minutes. No, like, no. But it was no, no. You say it's ne- would never be ten minutes, but we would have left Portsmouth ten minutes later. That's yeah, what but, I'm saying. But we'd have to go from the train station back to your place of living. Luke's house next to the train station. He didn't live there. Yes, he did. He lived down Francis Avenue, which is right next to a train station. Anyone can look it up if you want to on Google Maps. Okay, I, so I don't remember. But you refused. On. You flat out refused. You were like, "Okay," you, you were like, "Okay, I'll wait," and then hung up. Right, and then instead of waiting like a friend, you called up Daniel Edler, who we all know is a piece of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he was just like, "Just leave him. Just leave him." Right. So you just left us. Did I? Right. And and I looked at it like, so I was like, I'm the booker for this promotion. I'm responsible for the success of this promotion. Mm. I was pissed off at you for leaving me anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Like, right? yeah. Um, and, um, and I was like, I'm responsible for this, all of this happening. Right. And I'm, and you won't wait 10 minutes for us to get there. Right. And then I got a message from Dan saying, make your own way to the show, which again, whatever. But then he was like, and you're paying for the expenses. Of me to get to the show. Yeah. Right? And I was like, no way am I paying. The, like, uh, Well, it's bubble unless you're not going to be spoken to like that. You yeah. Know what I mean? and, and I'm not and I'm not paying mm. my, like, I would, do you know what I mean? I was, I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm responsible for the success of this promotion. And I, st- I swear I was, right? And I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. I was very responsible for a lot of the success of that promotion. I'm not taking a 100% credit, but I believe I put in a lot of service, a lot of hours. And then like, to be like talked to like that, I was just like, no way. So I did get the train t- on the way to Orpington, but I went past Orpington into South End and I went home. Okay. And uh, um, and that was a, that as far as I was concerned at the time, that was me done with IPW. Um, IPW went to Poo like very quickly after that. The next month, the show got cancelled, um, which I don't think that had ever happened before. The show got cancelled before the show. Then the following show, um, there was a show which had a wonderful match between Blockbuster and Eugene. I had like these wonderful storylines planned out. And by which point, I was just like, oh, I'll come back to referee. Like, I'd kind of just been like, I'll come back to referee, but I'm not not being responsible for this anymore because I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing far too much. I'm obviously underappreciated and whatever. But you can pay me to referee if you want. And I remember... uh, uh, Barry, bless him, came up to me and he said to me, how should I go over Eugene? That's and right. I was like, 
you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> and that you was a conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like there was like a, a good strategic plan for him um, and JC Thunder, who lost so much steam after that. Um, there was a real good plan in place for them too, but unfortunately it, it came to nothing because uh, just inept, a few shows inept booking and that was it done. You know, they were... Um, and we lost uh, the venue soon after. And then, well. uh, and then, Alpington Horse was going, but there was a. There was, we always knew it was going, but we had a, a backup. The Bromley Civic Centre was uh, was going to be there, which is where Len, Len links into it. Um, and uh, Dan was going to jack it in, and Martin Stone was going to cut a promo in the ring at the end of that. Um, it was a battle royal show. Martin was supposed to cut a promo in the ring, saying, "This is the end of IPW, basically. Full stop. Yeah. Done. Right." So I got wind of this. This is on the day of a show. I got wind of this, and I called. Uh, oh, so, oh, so I fell out with. Uh, so I fell out with IPW. Amazingly, still remain friends with you. Um, <laughs> and then I, uh, and then Len came. T- I, I I can't remember how it happened, but I remember Phil Powers approached me and Len approached me about working with them, um, and I I wound up working with Len because I loved the fact that he had all the equipment and stuff and I was just like well we could put in place a few simple procedures here to try and boost attendance figures and try and make it happen because I felt like I had a blueprint of what of what worked with British wrestling and how to make it work and I may have been wrong I may have been right you know or I may have just had some I may have struck lucky with IPW but I genuinely believed I had a blueprint I've done a lot of studying of posters what's put on posters how to make it work one of the big things that you alluded to earlier was what Len used to put this um the the the, his poster was the RQW logo on a dark piece of paper with just a list of names of people appearing on the show and that was his posters and I remember at the time he was um he had sweet Soraya she was doing the postering for him he'd pay her extra to go and uh, do the posters um and uh, she'd get posters everywhere, like, because she's, you know, like, they spent years promoting WAW, and, like, you know, um, so she'd get posters everywhere for Len, all around the local area. But I looked at the posters, and I said to Len, I was like, the first thing I'd do, if I was you, is I'd get some new posters done. Because, first of all, you've got RQW as a big center point of the, the poster. No one knows what RQW is. If it was WWE, that'd be one thing, but an RQW, what's an RQW, you know? Um, and then no one knows the names of all these wrestlers. So let's, put, let's get a bright poster. Let's get some pictures of some muscly wrestlers on there, some high-flying action, a picture of a wrestling ring on there so people know what you're going. Let's get wrestling on there in big, bold letters, you know? Um, and um, Len said to me, he was like, yeah, I like all these ideas, Andy. He's like, but the problem is, I've got the next four months worth of posters already printed, so I don't want to waste any more money on printing posters. So you're going to stick with them so for the next four we're months. We're going to stick with these for the next four months and see what happens, right? So, um, so then coming back full circle to this IPW stuff, so I'm like, okay, fine, right? And there was uh, there's all kinds of booking stuff going on during this time, Um and uh, and I was on the, this booking committee. We had Kieran. It looks like from our email chain, we had Phil Austin. Well, I can't remember him ever being at the meetings. And we had Ricky Knight and we had myself. And we'd all hash out these... It's uh, <laughs> just ridiculous, you know. Is this a bit like we, what Greg Lambert said? Yeah, like, you know, we'd all hash out... Yeah, absolutely. It was absolutely like that. However, I'd come up with quite an interesting concept of 
you know, let's save yourself some time and let's uh, let's film two episodes of TV per show, or maybe three. No, it's three episodes. You'd essentially have three intermissions. You'd have three, essentially, three one-hour wrestling shows as a three-hour show, um, a as, a, show as a show, yeah. as a live show, and we'd do live links with the commentators. Um, and it, it, it seemed to work really well, but it was in front of no one, so like we couldn't really gauge whether this would be a you know the way forward. I remember one of them was literally a scout hut, or like a, a football, uh, you know, like Sunday league. Yeah, football. there was a, yeah, and it, and and it had like sixty people in a venue that could fit seventy five people. But you had the production of you know WWE. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It just it just wasn't. It just and wasn't, um, the pieces of this puzzle were just not fitting together, no matter what yeah. way they tried. Yeah. You know? Um, um, there's a you know the most famous line I guess you can't you you can't make chicken salad at I'm not saying it was chicken but like you know when you're running shows in in, in football clubhouses you know there's it's almost like wasted and en- not energy but like you know you're dressing it up and it's just going to look worse yeah because it's going to highlight the fact of this is where you are right yeah. yes and um, so uh, again I thought that it was still decent to get the kind of you know, like the stuff going. I remember looking at the attendance and Ulf Herman was on the show from Germany and I remember looking at Ulf Herman's flight and his hotel alone and I was just like, that's all the tickets gone, all the mm. tickets out, money gone, but you've paid for all this production, all these boys, all this travel, you know, and one wrestler's probably equaled your total ticket sales. And you pay for and the venue, yeah. And, and I could see, I could see the, the toll that this was taking on Len and I... And, and then Dan was saying he was going to jack it in. And, and we had this other venue when I was running stuff with Dan. I'd agreed to run shows with Dan um, when we left Alpington. Because, I, like I said, I'd started to promote my own shows by this point. Um, and um, I'd agreed to, to run with Dan but before, before the, the big falling out because of you. Um, so before that, um, so I kind of knew about this other venue. Um, on the day, Martin was going to announce that IPW was closing, that it's not going to run another venue. And I think, I genuinely believe that I was kind of like a the driving force behind, right, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. And then when it came down to, like, he didn't have someone there to say that to him. It was just like, oh, I can't be bothered with this, you know. It's a struggle, you know. Um, and obviously some of those shows didn't go very well. So, um, without me, I mean. Um, so, uh, I'd spoken to Len, and I said, listen, Len, I said, you got, you're working with myself, you know. And I basically said to Dan, listen, what if I keep this IPW alive? So it's up to you if you want to be on board or not, which was a mistake. I should have just said, oh, I'll just keep it alive. Yeah. But so it's up to you if you want to keep, stay on board or not. Um, but how about, how about we get Len involved with IPW? Because Len's, cause I knew that IPW already had an existing... IPW had the crowd that Len needed. Sure. Len had the production that IPW needed. So I was like, let's try and piece this together. Yeah, let's just uh, like merge, isn't it? You know, amalgamate and... Yeah. So, and you had Ricky Knight. And I didn't want Ricky Knight to be left out of this either because I felt that he'd he'd put a lot into this as well. But I said to Len, he always wanted RQW to be an umbrella promotion, to be the stamp of approval. And that rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way because it was like, who's Len Davis to come along and say, "I've, I've got... The stamp yeah. of approval, you know. Um, he, he was like the RQW logo would be on all the posters. And yeah, stuff, right. So and when you, you see the RQW logo, you know it's good quality and real quality. Real quality, yeah. And that I, that I believe was Alex's idea, and um, and which you you know it was because then you, the British Wrestling Council led on from there and <laughs> yes. whatever, you know. So, um, so uh, 
I said, you know, you've always wanted RQW to be the stamp of approval, the, the umbrella promotion. I said, look, run, I have it RQW presents WAW, RQW presents IPW. I'm sure Ricky would love for you to bring your w rqw production to waw shows i know ipw would love you to bring that production to the shows so it's up to you how you want to do it i think he agreed to uh just do that for waw and he wanted to be in as a partner financially in the uh, ipw shows and he said he'd go in 50 50 on the on the bromley civic hall shows um so it would be kind of with dan but it was kind of with dan and me because i was like I was like, well, if I'm brokering this deal, I'm getting in on this deal. Sure. You know? So it was kind of like 25% me, 25% Dan as the IPW side, 50% Len. Now, I remember, and I've, I've looked at emails here, I remember sent Len an email saying, hey, Len, listen, uh, we've sold this amount of tickets for a show, which wasn't good at all, and we didn't know how it was going to fare outside Orpington. said, we've got Eugene on the show who cost this amount of money. Um, it doesn't look like we're going to make any money on the show, but, you know, you're kind of committed to paying for half a show, mm -hmm. right? And then I remember having a conversation with Len and I said to him, listen, Len, look, I don't want you to lose any more money. So why don't you just come and do the, you know, provide the production. You'll get the footage out of it. We'll release the DVD out of it. We'll cover the, like, IPW will cover 100% of the show costs so you're not lumbered with any more debt. Because the last thing I wanted to do was be that, you know, he, Len had done a lot for me. Len had also done a lot for a lot of other people. And I recognised what Len brought to the party. And I didn't want him to... I didn't want him to feel he'd be, been shunned. Do you know what I mean? Like, been stung again. Again, uh, yeah, By another course, false yeah. promise. Because I was like, you know, we'll bring the... You know, the Orpington crowd to come to Bromley. You know, we know the maths on how to make that work. So it's profitable every month. You know, didn't translate to tickets when we went to Bromley before the show. So Len agreed to just come and do the production because he couldn't really afford at this point after being sinking so much money into We're this. We're talking tens of thousands yeah. at least. So at much least money. tens of thousands. Um, that, uh, you know, that he didn't want to spend any more. And uh, he, so he agreed to that. And then, by the grace of God, something happened. There was a massive walk-up on the day. And I think Len thought, thought that I tried to dupe him. Oh, did you know? he? Okay. But he never, uh, he never outwardly said that to no. me. But that's the impression I got. Mm -hmm. Because there was a big attendance on that day. And it all went really well. But like, it's like it's one of the risks of the promoter, isn't it? Like, If you put all that money on the line, like, it's either you, you need to be prepared to lose that money. right? So I couldn't then turn around to Len or to Dan and say to them, like, oh, we've got to cut Len back in now. Because Len had bailed on the, you know, when it was going to lose money, he didn't want yeah, yeah. To, sp yeah. to spend, you know, to spend that money. So it can't, you know, you can't have it both ways. So that's the way I kind of always felt. Uh, and it was always that awkward situation. Um, so um, so then from that point, Len became a production guy for RQW, uh, for WAW production guy for IPW. Um, and uh, we, we're kind of going long here. So we're just, uh, <laughs> you know, um, gloss over the rest really um but there was always meant to be a tv deal um with uh so, uh, so it's, it's, there's always meant to be a tv deal um at this point as well because len said he had this tv deal with a german tv company um which uh i've got the actual name of the company because it was never announced in a in a press release um and uh but i knew all about it so it's a company called im1 tv um and he'd got seven nights a week um which was supposed to be from uh, midnight to 1am I believe or 11 o'clock to midnight every single night 
um, seven nights a week. Um, and uh, there's some stats on the channel. It had 800,000 homes on German satellite, 2.6 million homes on European satellite, um, and oh no, sorry, t and oh, and 10 million homes on German cable. Um, and that was its viewership. So it was a big TV station at the time, and it was going to be the, the, the all the shows were going to be available via im1.tv, the the website. Um, and I don't know what happened, but this deal, like Len wanted to announce it um, uh, on a certain date. Um, I can't see the date, but Len wanted to announce it. Um, I'd written up a press release for him, um, and this was before the the May shows, uh, which would be the first show with. Uh, um, so the first ones for for IPW would have been May the fourth. The first ones for um, WAW, I can't see on this press release, but it was a WAW show before then, I believe. Um, and uh, Len, when the pr it came time to release a press release, Len was like, "Oh, can you take the name of the TV station out?" So I guess that's when the alarm bell should have started <laughs> yeah. ringing, you know. So there was never any names of a... It was just a German TV station it was announced as and nothing ever came to fruition. He must have lost that one that. and tried to get one with someone yeah. else, I guess. And so. then, um, but he didn't want to say to anyone, mm -hmm. you know. And, and, and that was a big part of the IPW thing was because Len needed to fulfill the hours because he needed to get seven hours a week. I think his plan was originally to do maybe five hours a week of new footage and then two hours of RQW classics featuring footage he's already amalgamated from the old call shows. Um, so, um, yeah, that never transpired at all. So, um, so yeah, that was, uh, again, another missed one. And then, like, a... After he stopped, he, he really, the IPW thing didn't really go on for a long while, but then a little bit after that, just to demonstrate the hard luck that Len had in this world, um, he got a TV deal for Pulse TV, where he was going to put a WAW TV show on Pulse TV. Yeah, that rings He announced the deal, and literally a week after the deal was announced, Pulse TV closed down. Right. Um, so that was just an example of, a, you know, the tough luck that Len had. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it, was, it goes to that question. Really, like, would British wrestling uh, does it does it even need to be on TV? You know, like it's the Jurassic Park well, thing, isn't it? We all worry about whether we can. Do you think we should? Yeah, and I and I ag I completely agree, and I think that's a, a tremendous topic for another week talking about um, does British wrestling need TV? Because um, I've got a lot of opinions on that myself. Obviously, through the dealings throughout the years, obviously we've got five star wrestling now on TV. We've uh, you know we've had ITV celebrity wrestling, uh, you know, not celebrity wrestling. There, world of sport has been on TV. What difference has it made? What what difference could it make? Um, very big questions. There was a great article in Fighting Spirit magazine a few months back, um, which was uh, about whether Sky bought a professional wrestling promotion and replaced WWE with that, What, how that could look, and could it look similar to the way that Sky's handled boxing. Um, and uh, there's a lot of different interesting topics that can be discussed in, in form of TV. Um, but like we say, like TV, for so long people chased it and saw it as a be-all and end-all, but, you know... That very much was the case for Len, and he never quite found that that TV deal. No. Um, but uh, but since this is you know since RQW he's he's moved to America. Still, all the time you see him popping up with RQW classics, <laughs> and uh, you know this, this TV this TV <laughs> channel could be buying the RQW archive library. More to be announced soon. Big things around the corner. He's never quite transpired for him, but he has. Uh, he still works for WAW doing their production stuff, and he does it. 
he does a tremendous job. He flies in for their tapings at Epic Studios, does, yeah. and he does a tremendous job uh, producing those. So, you know, like for anyone who thought that this was going to be a let's come on and knock Glenn Davies, is I think it's been anything I but. Don't, I don't, don't uh, think you can because, um, like I said about half hour ago, all it does is remind me what an asset Len was and still is, and what he could still be in the future if he was still interested. Absolutely. So, you know, um, if you if you amalgamated, I had this to Mark Sloan actually at last York Call Show, if you amalgamated what the FWA had um, with Len Davis, which was like the next section almost of British wrestling, to what you produce wrestling-wise, could you imagine if all three of that was together, you know, like, you know... It's, it's true, You're not going to sell out Wembley Stadium, but it's, it would be all three but who, together. But who knows? Because because uh, exactly, and and, and for, for so long I've been chasing that level of production. But like obviously, when we first went into York Hall, we were we, there wasn't that budget there. We had to do everything ourselves. I had to, bu- and I wound up buying the screen and projector and all of that stuff. And slowly but surely, if you look at the lights from the first couple of York Hall shows to the lights to the York Hall shows now, like on the on the stage and entranceway and everything, you'll see how much it's improved in that time. But all of that stuff, we would have jumped that whole section of, do you know what I mean? Like, he, he already had that equipment. He already had that stuff. He already had that knowledge, that know-how. We'd have jumped that whole section, and we could have spent time concentrating on the next thing, you know, whereas it's, it's been a gradual step-by-step process for me at Revolution Pro Wrestling, and I genuinely, genuinely believe that I'm trying to amalgamate all those things together, but have to do it from the bottom, working my way, clawing my way up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, that's all I've got. Mm-hmm. That's all I've got. Thanks so for listening, everyone. Thank you. It's been Bye. a long one, but if you if you uh, <laughs> yeah if you if you stuck it out and are still listening, thank you very much. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we we I guess we should we just leave it there. Well, let's uh, throw our tweets in there. Obviously. Okay, we're we're throwing the Twitter handles at a quilden a q u i l d a n and at boy simmons b o y s i m m o n z. Cool. So uh, we'll speak to you next week. Laters.